I want to just jump into a scripture this evening. Warm welcome to everybody in Power Church. You're amazing. You look beautiful. Church online, Facebook, YouTube. So good to have you with us. Are you ready tonight for church? Are you ready for something from the Word of the Lord? If you've got a Bible here, won't you open your Bible, Luke chapter number 10. I've got my new King James Bible with me tonight. Whatever Bible you've got, if you've got your Bible here in church, won't you just quickly lift a Bible? Some of them are electronic. I see them. I see them. They shine brighter. I see some old versions, some paper versions as well. Just nothing that smells like the Word of the Lord, eh? And I mean, if it smells that good, can you imagine what we can eat from in this evening? So I want to read to you a couple of portions of Scripture, maybe a bit of background. Luke chapter number 10, Jesus sends out His disciples. And um, it's much of what we've done this morning. Sole goal, sending out disciples. Say, hey, there's a community, there's a city, there's a nation that needs to be reached by the love of God. And we are mobilizing people to go out into this world and love people with the love of Christ. And Jesus did the same, Luke chapter number 10. The disciples come back, they rejoice. They said, Jesus, everything you said we can do in your name, we've done it. We've seen even devils submit to your name. And they're overjoyed with what they are able to do as the master has sent them to do. And then towards the end of chapter number 10, um, there's this interesting story that plays off. And I wanna read it and share some thoughts as I go. So I'm gonna be reading from verse... from verse 25. And if you haven't got a Bible here, you can follow me on the screen. It says, And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him. This is Jesus saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? What shall I do? I love that question. Uh, it's a question that most believers have asked somewhere in their life. God, what do you want me to do? Jesus, what do you want me to do? And then Jesus answers and he said, what is written in the law? What are you reading in it? I love Jesus. Uh, he answers this lawyer with the law. He says, well, what does the law say to you? And there's so much in it, but I just want to um, read through this because there's one or two um, verses that I believe the Lord wants to take us to. So he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and with all your mind. And you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said, you have answered rightly. Do this and you will live. You see, the, the Jews had about 613 different laws that they had to keep to be in right standing with God, which was impossible to do. That's the whole reason of the law. It's to show you that you cannot keep the law in your own strength. You need Jesus. You cannot do life in your own strength. You cannot do life in your own ability. You cannot do life in your own thinking. You need God. And Jesus summarized the law in those um, exact words. He said, love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as you love yourself. So Jesus says, you've answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But listen to what it says in verse 29. But he wanting to justify himself. Uh, New Living Translation says, but he looking for a loophole, <laughs> said to Jesus, but who is my neighbor? I just got a short little disclaimer. You know what a disclaimer is at the bottom of? Yeah, disclaimer. The thing that we don't normally read. All right, so the disclaimer is here. Tonight is all about 
mobilizing you to go and love your neighbor. And I just want to say it from the outset. And some of you would be like, ah, oh, I knew when I saw the sermon title, Stopping for the One, it's gonna be about outreach. And some of you would be like, man, I heard many sermons about this. But the question is, if we've all heard these sermons about being mobilized to action, why do most believers, and I'm not saying that you, why do most believers still struggle to reach out? Why do most people not live on a daily basis in such a way that we're constantly reaching out, sharing the love of God with people? Why do most people only reach out when the church organizes an outreach once every term, once a year, once whenever? The reality is it's never been God's design. So somewhere we're missing something. And this evening I wanna to say to you that I'm, I'm going there. I'm not gonna try and you know, come in with some you know, draiki or peinde to try and mobilize you. I'm saying it from the outset. This is what God wants to do. We didn't launch Soul Goal this morning because it sounds lacquer um, and it's something to keep the, the, the church's people busy with. We launched Soul Goal because we believe that there's a community, there's a city, there's a nation that needs Jesus. And it's not out there in India or China where they need a missionary, it's here. It's in the streets of Pretoria North. It's in the streets of Durban and Cape Town and Secunda. It's in your street where you live. There's people dying, there's broken people, there's needy people. And God needs people to reach people. We are the plan. It's not another plan. If we don't do it, the next generation will have to do it. But I'm saying not in this generation. I'll, I'll be that generation. I wanna be the hands and the feet that God can use. And I really pray that tonight will not just be another one of those sermons for you, but that something will happen tonight that you will walk out of this place and be like, I know exactly what the heart of the Father is for me and for the ones that will come across my path in this week. And I know exactly what God wants me to do. And that you will see that you've been empowered even before you were born to do what God wants you to do that you can be the hands and the feet, that you can be the voice of God, you can be the power of God, you can be the extension of His love, that your hands are the hands of God, your feet is the feet of God, your voice is the mouth of God, that you yourself, I feel like this is gonna be a great Sunday. My apologies if I'm screaming at you. Rehard, if I do scream, just tell me, Pastor Eric, please tone it down. But I do wanna um, be passionate in what I share because I believe this is what makes the Lord passionate. It's people. So listen to this. He wanting to justify himself said to Jesus, but who is my neighbor? <laughs> and then Jesus answered him and said, and now Jesus tells the story. Come on, you're just gonna love Jesus. The way that he tells the story, the parables of Christ, it's amazing. But listen to what he says. He says, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. That's a sermon in itself. Why would Jesus use those two towns? Where were they situated? Why would he travel from the one to the other? Well, we won't go into that tonight and he fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. So there's this man, it can be any man, we don't know who the man is, but he's traveling from one city to another and thieves just absolutely abuse this man. They beat him up, they strip him, they leave him half dead. And then Jesus says, now by chance, a certain priest came down that road and when he saw him, he passed on the other side. You have this picture with me. There's this road. There's this man lying. Here's a priest, Pastor Eric. No, it's not me. I'm just, priest would be like our modern day pastor walking down the road, sees this man and he literally just walks to the other side of the road and just walks past him. It's interesting that Jesus would use a priest in his story. It becomes even better. Listen to this. 
Likewise, a Levite. Who's a Levite? Well, a Levite back in the day would be a worker in church. It would be like some of our volunteers, our life group leaders, our, our associate pastors, our shepherds, a worker in church, a Levite. They were the workers in the temple. Now a Levite comes. <laughs> Look at this. And as he arrived at that place, he came and he looked. So, so the priest sort of stumbled upon this man and just went to the other side of this road. Now a Levite comes. He sees something's not lacking. He sees, whoa, here's a guy lying and he does exactly the same. Jesus says when he arrived, he looked, but he passed by on the other side as well. But then a certain Samaritan. Now, she's, please note that a Samaritan back in the day, a Samaritan and a Jew, you won't find them sitting around the same table. Is that okay? They weren't friends. They wouldn't have something to do with one another. But now a Samaritan comes. And as he journeyed, he came where he was. And when he saw him, this is the man that was beaten, he had compassion. Say with me, compassion. You see, there's a difference. And I've said this many times before. There's a difference between compassion and concern. A concern would make you give a five rand. A compassion would make you climb out of your car. And I think the reality is that many Christians, I believe most Christians, has got a great concern for what's happening in the world around us. I don't think there's any believer here tonight that says, you know what, Eric, I don't care about whoever, whatever. I don't care about the broken, the needy, the poor, the destitute. I don't think there's somebody like that yet. We all have a concern. Question is, do we have a compassion? Is there something that moves our heart for the things that moves his heart? That's the question here. You see, this is not a, a sermon to try and motivate you to sign up for an outreach activity. This is, this is sharing something with you out the heart of Jesus himself, saying, this is my heart. This is my heart. I am that man that has a compassion. It's many times in scripture where the Bible would say, and Jesus having compassion. And Jesus having compassion, and Jesus having compassion, would either call the crowd together, would either multiply bread and fish, would either lay his hands on a leper. Um, Jesus had compassion, and he wants us to have as well. Jesus wants us to have compassion. So, listen to this. So, he went to him and he bandaged his wounds. Makes me think about. Jesus standing in the temple, Luke chapter number four, verse 18, just a couple of chapters prior to this, saying the spirit of the Lord is upon me to do what? Preach the good news. Isn't that what he said? And let's go there. I want you to catch something here. Do not misquote Luke chapter number four, verse 18. It says this, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted. This is exactly what we're talking about here. To heal, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, and to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. That's why Jesus came, and that's the story that he's telling here. So he says, the man went to him and he bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine. Interesting, if you study this, it was actually um, in historical background, that would be the very two things that they would use to treat various wounds, including the wounds of circumcision. 
something profound found in how they used oil and wine to treat wounds back in the day. But both of them represents God. Both of them, oil and wine, represents the Holy Spirit. This man uses oil and wine. That's what he pours on the wounds. I tell you now, if it's not the Spirit being poured out on the wounds of this world, friends, we have got absolutely nothing to give this world. There's nothing that will bind up the brokenhearted and bring healing to those that are oppressed and destitute and desperate. It's not good sermons. It's not motivational speaking. It's not um, giving fish and bread or um, you can give bunny chows to every homeless guy in Pretoria North. It's not gonna change their lives. It might fill their stomach for an evening. Please do that. But if we wanna see people being changed, people being restored, people being brought back to life, it's oil and wine. It's the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on our lives, through our lives. It's God touching people. (laughs) It's God touching people. And here's the beautiful thing. One thing I've realized in my life more and more, the the older I grow, the more I I become aware of it, that all God wants is a willing vessel. In this place before me, I see hundreds of willing vessels. Online tonight, I see hundreds of willing vessels. I hope so. Because all He wants is just somebody to say, God, here am I, use me. And He'll use any person to pour Himself out on a broken world. I remember one evening, we were doing an outreach. It was like way back in the day, 2007, 2008. And we were down there, other side of Donnie Milan Law School. Um, there like in the dark alleys of Pretoria North. Um, we were actually, well, we weren't there. We were a bit closer to some of the um, neighbors this side. And one of the, the, the homeless guys said to us, guys, there's a group of homeless guys down there. You go there, in there. And we're like, yo, that sounds dodgy, but okay. I mean, we've been commissioned by a homeless man, so let's go feed them as well. And I can't remember who was with me, but we went in there and it was as dodgy as what it can be. I mean, it's that kind of an outreach where you think, I hope somebody's got a nine mil with them as we go into these alleys. I'm joking. So we're going in there and there's this group of people. And I remember there was this one guy, I've told the story, Pastor Stefan will know, there's just one guy lying there. And to be honest with you, when I saw him, I thought he was dead already. There was like nothing. It was just skin and bones. And he was lying there almost lifeless. And I remember the closer I got to him, the smell was horrendous. And I, when I got to him, I, I, I could see, okay, this man, he's still alive. And he looked at me and I started sharing the gospel with him. And at first, I, I didn't know if he was under some substance or just completely out of it, but it, it looked like he wasn't, hearing me to lacquer and he wasn't responding, but I just preached the gospel to him. I shared the love of Jesus with him. And I remember um, as I was still speaking in Afrikaans, he said to me, I can Jesus. He said to me, I know Jesus. And I said, really, you know him? I said, yeah. He says, yeah, I can see him. I said, really? And I, at first I wasn't sure what he, what he means. I said, he said to me, yes, I can see him. And I, and I was like, where? And I can't remember who was with me. We were two guys and he says, he's standing right behind you. And when he said that, the Lord whispered in my heart and he says, Eric, I'm still walking the streets. I'm still looking for broken people, man. And I feel if as believers, if we are not looking for the broken, then we're missing something, man. If we look at the life of Jesus, 
in New Testament scripture. It records about 24, 25, 26. Some theologians will differ on the exact amount. Let's say 25 days. That's all it records. I don't know if you knew that. Four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They only record about 26 days, 25 days of Jesus' life. We know that he lived three and a half years. Well, he was 33 and a half when he when he died, but his ministry was about three and a half years, but we only have 26, 25 days recorded. And most of the time that we have recorded in scripture, he was out in the streets. He wasn't just parking in church. He was in the streets. I read the story again this week. Probably the best story you can use if you preach about stopping for the one is blind Bartimaeus. Blind guy sitting at the city gate screams out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Mercy. Say with me, mercy. Mercy. And Jesus stopped. You know that Jesus was only a couple of days away from the cross. It was like, I mean, for most of us, we'd be like, no, man, I'm busy here. I've got something to do for God here. But Jesus stopped. Jesus had a ministry of interruption. Jesus loved to be interrupted and he never showed anybody away. So we see this man, this Samaritan, putting oil and wine on his wounds and he set him on his own animal. Other translations says a donkey. My apologies. And he brought him to an inn, which in our modern context would be the church. He loaded this guy after he, 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 he worked with his wounds, he loaded him on his donkey and he brought him to church. And there he took care of him. Please note, he took care of him. Sometimes we have this mentality and, and, and uh, sometimes the best thing we can do is to bring people to church. But if it's void of my in, involvement in the lives of people, I'm also missing the boat. Because it's not just the pastors or the leaders that's supposed to heal and bind up the broken heart. It's all of our responsibility. It's your neighbor. It's your colleague. It's your family member. It's your friend. And God's given you grace and authority to work in the lives of those people. But he brought him to church, to an inn, and there he took care of him. On the next day, when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper and said to him, take care of him. And whatever more you spend, when I come back, I will repay you. I love that when I read that. I will repay you in full, say some translations. Everything that you need to spend on this guy, do whatever you need to do, doesn't matter what it costs, but help this man. I will pay the price in full. It sounds like Jesus, eh? It's been paid in full. It's been paid in full so that we can go and take care of people that really needs it, man. My apologies. So which of these three, Jesus asking the lawyer now, do you think was the neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And he said, he who showed mercy on him. And then Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. Him that showed mercy on him. Friends, I've, I've preached on this before many years ago. And I've, I've in different areas of this church's history, where we've launched out into certain outreach and mission activities. I've preached a lot of sermons about, about getting involved in what Jesus is involved in, about mobilization and, and getting people to, to step out and reach out into their communities. And, and, and most of the times we would say, you know, you know it's, it's comfort and it's this and it's that that keeps people 
from reaching out. But in the story, believe it or not, Jesus used this, the, 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 the priest and the Levite as those that saw this man and walked past him. Why would he use the priest and the Levite? And I'm not trying to read something in the story that's not there, but I wanna share with you what God prompted in my heart this week. Sometimes, and remember, I'm not preaching to unbelievers here. I'm not preaching to the Red Cross organization. I'm not preaching to the charity down the street. I'm preaching to church here. I am at the right church, not just double checking. Okay. Sometimes, it's our, and I, and I wanna say this with, with, with reverence, sometimes, it's because we're so spiritual that we have absolutely no use for God in this earth. And I say this with humility towards every spiritual believer because we are spiritual. Everything about us is spiritual, but we can't become so spiritual. We can't become so busy with God or the things of God that I miss the people that God has sent me to reach on behalf of the God. Friends, I wanna be honest if I say this. I know people that that so love God, they so spend their lives towards God that they, and I, I say this with really with humility, that they are so fixed on God and it looks so noble and it looks so beautiful, but they themselves will walk past people because we're so focused on God. I can be a pastor so busy prepping my message for a Sunday sermon that Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, I have missed a hundred sermons that I could have preached on the street. You catch what I'm saying? I'm talking to myself here first. God talk to you about reaching the lost and I've not reached out to the lost in this week. God talk to you about sharing the good news and I don't share the good news. It will make me a hypocrite. The Levite, those that work in the church, that's all of us. We can be so busy with the things of God. I'm on my way to church that I don't have time to stop for the guy next to the road. I can be on my way to prayer meeting. How noble is that? And miss the guy next to the road. We can be so busy with our little life group and it's just, oh, yeah, it's all goosebumps. It's amazing. God is working in our life group. It's growing and God is doing amazing things. But then we, sh we scatter into our different directions after life group and then we do nothing during the week. That looks like Jesus. I know you would, uh, please, um, uh, I know you would never do something like that. But that's the reality in many believers' lives. And maybe you sit here tonight and be like, yeah, whoops. I've become so busy with God, I've become so busy with the things of God that I miss people. That I'm also one of those guys that just when I see, he's like, oh, I don't, you know, I don't have time for that now. And it, it's shocking if I hear church leaders, I have the, the privilege to move in different circles where we rub shoulders with different church leaders in different contexts. But how many people, church leaders would say, I, I don't have time for that. And I'd be like, well, that's what Jesus sent us here to do. You can say I pray eight hours in the spirit every day and then what if you don't rise from that time of prayer and actually go give what God has given to you then your eight hours of prayer has done nothing then the gospel has not manifested itself in your life then I keep myself busy with religious routines to tap myself on the shoulder that I'm good with God but I'm not good with God 
because the things that move his heart the most is not moving mine. Break my heart, says Heidi Baker, Lord, for the things that breaks yours. Break my heart for the things that breaks yours. So this evening, I'm not gonna use my normal Netflix example. I feel like if Netflix watch my sermons, they'll be like, hey dude, you're giving us a lot of negative publicity here. <laughs> Nothing against Netflix. But you would know that I often use that example, how much time we spend in front of our TVs, man. It's not my example tonight. My example tonight is how busy can we become with the things of God that we actually miss God and we miss the heart of God for our community. And please, I'm not saying stop spending time with God and stop praying in the Spirit and stop attending life group and stop coming to church. It should be what we do. The disciples went from house to house, temple court to temple court, but, 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 Acts chapter number two, verse 42 onwards, it says that the whole community took note of them. Signs, wonders, miracles took place. Everybody knew that something is happening. People were filled with joy. People were being added daily. It was like there was a revival. Things were growing, moving, shaking. And that's the heart of the Father. That you would walk out of this place tonight and be so moved that the first guy you see, you'd be like, how's it? You have two minutes for me. Quickly want to chat to you about something. In this week, this past week, I met um, probably, well, I think he is the, the greatest evangelist that I've met in person. I don't want to give him any publicity tonight. He's been called the Rukeloose Evangelist. Some of you will know who I'm talking about. A friend of, of mine, he was in this church many years ago. A guy that I think there's not a day that passes where he doesn't share with somebody. And we were chatting again and he said something that so moved my heart as we were speaking in this week. He said, you know, most people are afraid about evangelism because they don't know how to start. But he said, how stupid is that? You just start the conversation and you always start with just normal things. How's it? You like that? You can use any kind of conversation. Just get the conversation started. And he says, you know, it's amazing, Eric. All you need to do is start the conversation. God will give you an opening. God will always make a way. If it's your intention, if you come in like a CIA agent and you're like, I'm gonna come in here. I'm here with a purpose. I'm not just here to chat about your shoes. I've got a plan here. God will give you an opening. Speak into that person's life. And I'm not just talking about personal evangelism. I'm talking about something and I want you to catch this word. I'm coming in for the slow landing. Say with me, mercy. Jesus said to him, which one of those three would you say is the neighbor? And he said, the one that showed that man mercy. Mercy. And when I read it, it's like that word just stuck in my heart. This whole week, that word has been in my heart. Mercy, 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 mercy. Mercy, triumph over judgment. Mercy, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Mercy, every scripture that I knew about mercy, it was in my head the whole time. Mercy, I was like, okay, God, clearly you're speaking to me about mercy. Please speak to me, God. What do you want to show me? And the Lord spoke to me about sowing seeds of mercy. I said to you this morning, I've been on this harvest thing with God the last couple of weeks. He's been speaking to me about the harvest and seeds. And I'm not just talking about financial harvest now, but that God is bringing an increase. He's releasing things. Things are coming to us. There's things on the field that's ours to reap. There's something that we need to take possession of in this time. The harvest is ready. I want to say that to you. And even the harvest of souls, they're ready. 2,000 years ago, Jesus said, look, the harvest is on the field. Pray for harvesters. 
You know, pray for the lost. They're there. They're walking amongst us every day. She says, pray for the harvesters, workers in God's vineyard. Mercy, 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 mercy. And then I started looking into Scripture and I found the Scripture that absolutely just whacked me in this week. I don't even know if that was a good word to use. Apologies for all the English-speaking folk. I'm Afrikaans, out by nature, so I throw some of these words out there every now and then. Mercy. I read the Scripture in Hosea, chapter number 10, verse 12, where it says, free translation, it says that mercy is something that you can reap. I was like, God, you're speaking to me. I mean, because I'm on harvest for the last couple of weeks, and now the Scripture says that you can reap mercy. Think with me, you can reap mercy. So if we don't understand what mercy is, it it won't excite us. I'm telling you now, mercy is something that every single one of us needs. There's a reason why it says that His mercies are new every morning. Believe me, I don't have the time to get into the depth of this, but you need the mercies of God. The whole book of Proverbs is full of it, just mercy, mercy, the mercies of God, mercy shown to men, the power, the, 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 the weight that is found in understanding mercy. And here comes God and He says, you will reap mercy. And then the Lord asked me a question. He says, Eric, for you to reap mercy, what do you need to sow? If I want to reap mercy, what do I need to sow? And then the scripture popped into my heart. Matthew chapter number five, I think it's verse seven. That says, To those that show mercy, mercy will be given. (laughs) And then I realized, if I want to reap mercy, I have to show mercy. And this story is about a Samaritan that went and he was the last guy expected to actually reach out to that guy. Do you know that back in the day, if he is attending to this Jewish guy and somebody walks past, they would probably think he's the guy that beat up this guy I mean they are enemies here he had everything to lose yet he was the one that showed mercy now can we just do can we make this practical okay we won't can we make this practical okay I'm gonna come down I just feel like I need to be closer because if we catch this tonight it will shift us if you catch this revelation tonight it will forever move you into a place where the mercies of God will lift you. Do you know that there's a lifting power found in God? It's like 19 of you. Do you know that God can lift you? Meaning there's a supernatural lifting that takes place. And irrespective of of who you are, God can come and He can lift you in areas where it makes no human sense why you are lifted. Lifted in promotion, lifted in finances, lifted in breakthrough, lifted in any area. God is a lifter. So there's a lifting power in mercy. Those that show mercy to Him, mercy will be given. So let's make this practical. Now here comes the Samaritan and he shows mercy to this man. He, he takes care of his wounds. donkey, lie him off. Takes care of the guy, pays for it. If that guy meets the Samaritan somewhere in his life, I tell you now, there's nothing that man will not do for the one that saved his life. You with me? Okay. 
let's say this Samaritan, that wasn't the only guy he showed mercy to. In our context today, he knows of a neighbor whose child really needs to go to school, but the mom can't pay for it. Now he can spend his money on a couple of games of golf for the remainder of this year. But instead of playing 20 games, he'll just play five and he'll use some of his golf money and he'll pay for that child's education. The mother of that child will show mercy to the man that has showed mercy to her. She might not have the financial means to show mercy to him now, but if there's anything she can do, she will do it because she's been shown mercy. And the response, our natural response is to show mercy. Some of you in this place, you've been shown mercy and kindness by other people. Some of you have had that call saying, hey, meet me at Checkers, Macro, Woolies, wherever. And then somebody blessed you with groceries. Okay, I see some hands going up, some people nodding. Some of you never had that experience. That's the reality of life. Is that if you've never had somebody bless you with groceries, you'll never know the joy of what it means to buy somebody else some groceries. <laughs> Can we go deeper here? There's people, and you might be in this place, but there's people out there, and I know people, that have showed so much mercy, they can never, ever not be lifted in their life again. You didn't catch it. There's people that have showed so much kindness. They've paid for schooling here. They've blessed groceries there. They've counseled this colleague. When this guy was on the verge of divorce, he was like, I'm signing the papers today. He intervened and he said, man, it's not God's heart for you. I know that God can save your marriage. And he worked at that marriage and God restored it. Then uh, a couple of weeks later, he just meets a random guy on the street. And this guy is sick and he just says, oh God, I, I'm going to trust you that you can use me. He prays for this man and this man is healed. And wherever he go, whether it's prayer, whether it's counsel, whether it's giving, whether it doesn't matter what it is, everywhere he shows acts of mercy. He sows seeds of mercy. He has showed so much mercy that he can never in his life fall to a place again where he himself is in lack. He's just, you catch what I'm saying? I, I, it feels like I'm not getting this over correctly. He has sowed so much seed. He will just always have a harvest. I'm talking about a seed of mercy now. He's been so kind to people that whenever he, he's in need, there will always be somebody to help him. <laughs> there will always be somebody to help him. I have been at the receiving ends of incredible acts of mercy in my life. Incredible acts of mercy. People have been so kind to me. People sit, seated in this church tonight have been so kind to me in my life. And you know what it's done? It has just moved me to kindness. <laughs> I'll never forget the first day that somebody said, Ira, come, I'm gonna buy you uh, 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 some groceries. It feels so awkward. And the man is sitting in church tonight. I was like, yeah, I did what I'm to do. He's like, just load it. So I was just like, wait, and he was like, no, man, Bucky Dung, Bucky Dolly. And I remember I was, you know, back in the trolley, and, you know, so I meet him at the till, and his words was, where's the meat? Where's the place? 
Because I was like, yeah, you know, you can do quite a bit if you, but then if you buy meat, it's a whole different budget. And I'll never forget that day. I drove home and I said to the Lord, God, I want to buy people groceries. And I'm, I'm, I'm saying this not to try and impress you. I tell you, since that day, it was many years ago, I've, I've blessed people with groceries, man. I tell you, it's lacquer. You say, yeah, just quickly meet me here. And when they meet you, they just say, there's the trolley. Can I quickly tell you another story? Okay, thank you, Pastor Shemaine, I will. I've got this friend. I was also on the receiving end of his mercy. He phoned me the one day. He said, meet me quickly at Macro. I was like, why? He says, no, just quickly meet me. I've just got to pick up some things, but I just need to chat to you. It's like, okay, sharp. Yeah, and I meet him at Macro. When I got there, there's two trolleys, two guys in a parking attendance holding each trolley. And he's standing there with two burivos rolls and two cokes. And he's like, there's your buri. There's your coke. There's your trolley. There's your guy. I can't remember the guy's name. He says, pack it up. And I was like, what do you mean? He says, it's your trolley. It's your guy. It's your buri. It's your coke. Let's go. We're doing shopping today. So now I'm like awkward. And I would, no, no, he's pushing it. So I'm like, okay. So now I don't know what to do. What liar? Get us macro. You know, you can buy quite a bit at macro. Man. So now I just follow this friend of mine. So I see it's not the first time he does this. So he just walks down the aisle and he just looks at his guy and it's like two of that one. And then he walks like two of that one. And his guy's just packing. So now I'm like, I tune my guy as well. Two of that one. One of that one. <laughs> two of that. A true story. Back that trolley, man. I don't know. I still don't know. It's just, it's hanging everywhere. And then he chirps me at the end. You've got everything. I said, yes, I think so, but I don't know what else to take, man. He said, no, if you need some more, you can just load it. I said, no, I think I'm good. You know how lacking that is? Feels like Christmas came early, man. And I tell you now, you're seated in this church here tonight, and you can do that for somebody else as well. It's not always a guy that lies next to the road, beaten up. You might find somebody like that this week. Sometimes it's just buying groceries. It's paying school fees. Sowing seeds of mercy. I said to you this morning, I want to share a principle with you. It's part of God's divine design. If you show mercy, mercy will be shown to you. And there's more than just Matthew chapter number five, verse seven that says that. It's many scriptures that echoes that truth. To him that shows mercy, mercy will be given. Mercy means love. That's what it means. In a nutshell, mercy means love. To him that shows love, not to him that says, I love you. And I want to come back to the priest and the Levi. Because many believers, I'm not saying that you, have become experts in telling people how much we love them. This, this is one of our biggest failures at church, as churches. I pray for you. Really? Really? The reality is many of us don't. Some people do. But sometimes they need more than a prayer. Sometimes they need groceries. And I tell you now, friends, if you can start to position your life in such a way that every single day, every week of your life, you are focused on showing kindness, love to people, 
you will constantly be lifted in your life. You'll never see poverty. You'll never see loneliness. Listen to what I'm saying. I'm not saying that you won't face storms and difficulty. You will never see poverty again in your life. And go study it in scripture for yourself. A man that shows mercy. Proverbs says, <laughs> I love this. It says a man that walks in mercy is a happy man. A guy that's in poverty, that's got nothing to eat, he's not happy. I've never seen a guy laughing that has not anything to eat. So it means that if you are a, a, a man that walks in mercy, you'll always be happy. It means that you'll always have plenty. You'll always have provision. You'll never be lonely. You might face difficulty, you might face storms, we all do. But you'll never be lonely, you'll never be poor, you'll never be desperate because you have shown mercy and God will show mercy to you. So what I wanna do, and I'm closing, I don't wanna pack the spiritual revelation so high that we all walk out of here tonight to be like, yes, that was a lack of revelation, but what do I do with it? I wanna challenge you practically, can I? Thank you to those that says yes. I wanna challenge you practically and ask you to go into this week and show, not speak, show mercy. Show mercy to people. I know exactly what I'm gonna do this week. Say to the Lord this afternoon, Lord, tell me, what do you want me to do this week? And he spoke to me. He said, in this week, two things already I want you to do. That's how I want you to show acts of kindness. It's where I want you to go and be a blessing to someone. Friends, I want to say to you this evening as you sit here, if you feel like, Eric, but I haven't got enough money to be a blessing to somebody, that's why you haven't got enough money. I feel like I just need to say that again. If you're sitting here tonight, you say, Eric, I don't have enough money to be a blessing to somebody. That's why you haven't got enough money. Because if you are a blessing to somebody, you'll always have enough money. Why do I say that? Because the Bible says, God says, you cannot outgive God. Meaning whatever you give, you'll just say, is it? <laughs> okay. And I'll just give you more. Why? Because He knows that you'll be a conduit, a vessel that will just continuously give into the lives of people. As you walk out of this church tonight, look around you. Maybe the Lord lays somebody on your heart tonight in this church. Maybe you've walked past a guy and you've seen his shoes isn't lacquer. It's like, yeah, shoes looks like they were made in 1983. Buy somebody a pair of shoes. Maybe by that one act of kindness, God makes a vow to you and says, because you've done that, you'll never be without shoes in your life. <laughs> I mean it. There's actually some things that I would love to tell you, but I feel like the Lord said, I, I, I can't. There's things that, that I've seen God do in my life. It's when He asked me to do something and then I did something and then He made me a promise because I responded in obedience when it was a sacrifice. That's why He says, I desire mercy above sacrifice because it's not... A sacrifice if it's mercy. Oh, I don't know if everybody caught that. It's not a sacrifice if it's mercy. God says, I desire mercy over sacrifice. So God might say, I want you to take that money and give it a school fees. So you can see it like, oh, sacrifice. Or you can see it as mercy. <laughs> and if you show mercy, He'll show mercy to you. And there's some things, I tell you now, you'll see some things that God will do in your life only when you show people love. Can you imagine that every single one of us, whatever, 200 
plus 300, I don't know how many people we are tonight. If every single one of us, every week, starts showing random acts of kindness, mercy, love to people. Can you imagine how our community will change? Can you imagine how full this church will be? Because if I'm not in a church and you come and you pay for my child's school fees, I'll come to your church. So I wonder if there's anybody that, anybody that says, Eric, I'll respond to your challenge tonight. <laughs> Let's do it. It's really where I want to land this tonight. I want to land it in a practical way. I'm going to speak to you in a moment or two from now about soul goal, the outreach vision of this church. I want to say to you as well, partner with us, man. Don't be, become so stuck in where you are that you can't allow God to use your life out there. I saw some of the greatest miracles, most amazing things in which God used my life out on the streets. Really. I want to pray for people tonight before we close and before I hand over. I want to pray for people tonight. I feel the Lord whispered in my ear. There's two things. The one, he, I felt the Lord just prompted in my heart. And it might be like completely out of left field. It was to me when I felt the Lord prompted in my heart. But just before I came out this evening, I felt the Lord said to me, Eric, some people, the first act of mercy that they need to show tonight is forgiveness. And I must be honest with you, for a minute or two, I was like, Lord, I'm not sure where you're coming from. It's, I mean, forgiveness has got nothing to do with my where I feel you want to go in this evening. I felt the Lord said, sometimes the biggest act of kindness, biggest act of mercy that you can show somebody is to forgive him. I believe there's people here tonight, not I think, I know there's people here tonight. There's, there's somebody in your life that you're struggling to forgive. I want to say to you outright, doesn't help you go buy groceries to seven old tunnies, but you're still harboring unforgiveness in your heart to somebody. Really, God says, leave your offering. First go make right with your brother and then bring that offering. Then bring your heart to the altar. I'm not gonna ask you to stand or raise a hand, but I do wanna give two minutes for people that need to forgive. Forgiveness is not an option, not for the believer. There's not one scripture in the Bible that says, if you want to forgive. Jesus says, you must forgive or else I cannot forgive you. I want everybody to close their eyes for a moment and just have a personal moment for those that needs to respond now. Like I said, I don't want you to stand, raise a hand or do anything, but I do want you to do business with God if you're here tonight and there's somebody in your life that you need to forgive. It can be an ex-husband, an ex-wife, an ex-girlfriend, an ex-boyfriend. It can be your boss. It can be your current spouse. It can be a government. It can be, um, it can be anybody. But if you are walking around with any form of unforgiveness, bitterness, offense towards anybody, forgive them now. Forgive them now. Forgive them now. 
on, forgiveness is easy. You might feel like, Eric, it's the hardest thing to do. I can't do it. I want to say to you in this evening, it's the easiest thing to do. Because all God wants from you is just to confess that with your mouth. And God starts to work the healing process in your heart. All God wants from you is just to say, Father, I forgive that man. I forgive that woman. The moment you make that decision to forgive, God's going to start that healing process. But He cannot start the healing process if you're not willing to forgive. He cannot. He cannot. But if you say, God, I forgive, you'll see how God comes. A day, a week, a month from now, the memory might still be there, but the pain is gone. Pain is gone. Trust God enough tonight to put it in His hands. Trust Him enough to put it in His hands. And let Him work that process of healing in your life. Not only do you release that person, you release yourself from bondage, from heaviness, 